Welcome to Montana Wedding Talk, the podcast that takes you on an enchanting journey into the heart of Montana's vibrant wedding scene. I'm your host, Erica Sherrick, and I'm thrilled to be your guide as we explore the magic, stories, and insider tips of planning your dream wedding in the breathtaking landscapes of Montana. Join me each week as I sit down with talented local vendors, uncovering their unique expertise and offering valuable insights to couples planning their special day. From rustic mountain ceremonies to elegant lakeside affairs, we've got your Montana wedding covered. Tune in for engaging conversations, helpful tips, and the inspiration you need to make your wedding day truly extraordinary. This is Montana Wedding Talk, where love meets the big sky. Welcome to Montana Wedding Solutions. This is Montana Wedding Talk, and today we have my partner in crime, Tyson Cronk of Pulse Entertainment, Montana Wedding DJs, and um, gosh, Tyson, when did we start all this? Like, ha- my gosh, I just remember like five years ago, we started some group on Facebook and didn't think much of it. And no, now- it dormant for a while. It did. And then and now we've got like- last I looked was 2.48 thousand people. Yeah. So I don't know what happened. It's not insane. Gonna, it's insane. Yeah. So we're going to, so we're going to talk about, yeah, we're going to talk about Montana wedding solutions a little bit and, and kind of our plan here as we can. But um, as the first episode of the new podcast, which I'm super excited about. Which is another thing that was just like, um, hey, let's do a podcast. And I think we've talked about that for for a while, too. Well, you had already been doing them, and I didn't know how successful those things were going for you. And it's something I've been seeing on the internet, and everybody's doing vlogs and podcasts. And I figured, well, you know, if a billion and a half people eat sushi, I might as well try it. Right. And it's, I don't know. I just, the whole podcast is, it's like, um, you know, I have courses and stuff that I've created, but nobody wants to sit at a computer and read stuff and, and take a class. And mm-hmm. people don't want to go into um, like meet in person somewhere at a workshop. I mean, if anybody is out there who thinks differently and thinks a workshop would be a great idea, please let me know. But it seems like people want to like listen to this stuff on the go. You know, they want to, you know, turn on their their podcast and while they're working out or driving to work or or doing whatever. So how I consume all of my content, earbuds in and moving. Really? Yep. All right. So we might be on to to something. What do you think about what do you think about doing it on um on like TikTok or something? Are we able to have long format things on TikTok? I really it wouldn't be it wouldn't be I'm long. It would just be yeah, it would be like minute clips or something. But yeah, YouTube shorts. Yeah, basically. Yeah, no, that's great. Know, something we can think about. Yeah. All right, so you are a DJ. Well, maybe <laughs> you yes, have. You have been doing, um, 
I don't know, how long have you been DJing and what made you want to be a DJ? Uh, a little over 10 years. Um, honestly, it was just, uh, I remember working at a gas station here locally. I won't say the name because I don't want to endorse brands, um, but I was a graveyard gas station clerk and I kept seeing what I thought were the cool kids and the music scene come in late at night after closing the bar and packing out their equipment. They would come in and get their Gatorades or their alcohol right before closing time before we were not able to sell it. Um, and thinking to myself, boy, that would be super cool. And one day a guy invited me over to his house and he's like, hey, I'm a DJ. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of figured. And he's like, do you DJ? And I told a little white lie and was like, yeah, I DJ, man. And I remember freaking out after he invited me to his house. I didn't know nothing about DJing besides what YouTube has taught me. <laughs> I didn't own any equipment, nothing. Um, I faked it till I make, made it. And one day he invited me down to a bar downtown. Um, he told me to bring my controller because he wanted to check it out. Little did I know he was setting me up to do a gig. Oh. And from that point on, I was kind of hooked onto the whole DJ scene and the entertainment and the thrill of seeing people dance to your selection of music. It was awesome. So you didn't, I mean, you didn't start out in weddings then. You just, I mean, you were doing like. Bars and electronic music parties. Okay. All right. Oh, the EDM days. Yeah. <laughs> and oh. Storm. Oh, see, that's 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 close to my heart. That's back. That's back in the day. So that's why. And I'm. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta plug it just because when we did the um, the Yellowstone uh, cast parties, you were their DJ because. Mm -hmm you had that background in the clubs and I mean, you dropped it at those, like they were, they were all over that. They were loving it. And that's, I kind of miss that. You know, I, I watch a lot of the DJ vlogs on YouTube mm -hmm. and a lot of them do the, the glow sticks. Yeah. Electronic music. I mean, the whole wedding's not electronic music, but they have at least a 30 to an hour long set of it and the crowd eats it up yeah so it's, it's the the, the um mm -hmm. do you find that the glow sticks are kind of a a kind of a big trend right now okay he's holding his thumbs up you all can't see him but he's holding his thumbs yeah. up no it's it's, what, a, it's it's a go what other trends are you seeing for for weddings specifically going into 2024 um rustic rustic that's not really a trend that's been kind of a constant <laughs> with our current market, but budget, plastic. Yeah. Cause we did um, a couple of years ago, we had a true 100% Montana wedding. Like we set posts in this field. They built the stage and it was huge. The stage was massive. Like it was the dance floor, I should say. And, you know, you having a background in, you know, more of the, the bar and club scene, you know, and doing weddings, you pumped out. I mean, it was all swing dance, 
country two-step the whole shebang and you killed that so i mean it was it was phenomenal like um you would have thought (laughs) that that he was he was a country dj i mean so you have you have a range i mean looking at you you don't you know you don't wear a cowboy hat you don't you know but you have this way of kind of molding to whatever you know kind of um oh what do you call it you, the the type of music that they're that they're wanting you Being know the crowd, you just you have to be an open format dj yeah. and be comfortable in your own skin playing things that you probably would not listen to in the car on the way to a wedding or on your way to work um to work out with um you know because i don't listen to the radio per se i'm i listen like if you looked at my spotify or apple music playlist it's all electronic music right so what do you what do you describe your dj style as open format oh open format how do you even like people say they they take it for granted that reading the crowd is easy and i can tell you it's not it's not a thing that like just anybody can do how what are what are some things that you do that you know you're you're kind of looking out over the crowd and, you know, how do you know what direction to go into? Whether people realize it or not, once it's, it's, it's kind of hard to get going. I mean, you got your first hour and you're playing all sorts of different stuff and trying to hit different genres and uh, year groups. But once you start seeing people psychologically, they don't see, they don't, understand that they're doing this but their toes start tapping oh okay they'll they'll catch a song that they like and they'll just give you that little head nod back and forth without even realizing they're doing it they recognize that you know that song by stevie wonder or whatever it is and next thing you know you get a couple more toe taps people Mm -hmm. are starting to vibe and then you know that okay this is the direction i need to start pushing And sometimes it can get funny where you found your groove right on the right lane, people are vibing, and then you get an oddball client that'll walk up to you and request something that'll completely steer you left. What do you do in those situations? I mean, like you've you've got everybody's on the dance floor, you've found you've found the groove, you know, and then somebody comes up and totally picks a different like a whole different genre, whatever, that you know is going to kill it. Like, I'm not going to say, but I was there when things like this have happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, you know, they get very persistent about, yep. it, you know, I mean, they come up, they come up, you know, seven times and stand there and go, why aren't you playing this? Well, yeah. why, yeah. why, and how do you, how do you kind of work it in? Um. Or do you? If it's really bad, then I'll be like, you know, special request from Uncle Tom. So right. that way everybody knows. Hey, That's, yeah. Don't kill the DJ here. Uncle Tom requested <laughs> this song. Billy Ray Cyrus, Achy Breaky Heart. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so there... once, once that happens, again, it's your dog, job as a DJ to keep the party going. If the floor breaks... Guess what your job is now? You've got to rebuild. 
Right. Which isn't always easy. No. So, so, you know, for all these, these, and I'll go in, we'll go into this more later, but for all those people who don't think a DJ is an important element of their wedding, I mean, they want to do it themselves because they want to cut corners. You know, it's more than just getting a playlist and playing it and making a few announcements. Like, um, I, I have heard that there is a science to the DJ scene. Like, it's not, you know, it, it, there's more to it than mm-hmm. what meets the eye, like you said. So let's go into your couples. So how do you work with couples to understand the atmosphere they want to create for their wedding? That is a lot of work before their wedding, talking to them to get to understand their vibe and their vision for the evening. Um, Trying to provide, you know, obviously the right music to foster that environment Mm -hmm. um, and capture the emotional vibe for the night. Um, Something that definitely a Spotify playlist really can't do. Right. You know, a, a good DJ can come in, obviously play the right music. You would have lights to help set the mood. Um, some couples just aren't into that. They just want you there to play some background music and help us dance. While others want you to really transform the room and provide uplighting and dance lighting and really help foster the environment that makes for an unforgettable conversation that people and couples are going to be uh, talked about with their friends for years. I mean, they want, and, and I mean, I, I mean, I've had those couples, there's ones that are, you know, they don't, they're not the big dancing crowd, you know, they just kind of want something in the background. Fantastic. But then there's others that they want to party. I mean, they want to transform it into like they're going to a club and, you know, they're going to, they're going to dance all night and then some. Um, You can't get out of there. No, you can't. And we'll talk, (laughs) and we'll talk about, well, let's just, we'll talk about that too, about, you know, the extra hour thing and all that, but you know, there's, there is a, it seems like there's a formula for weddings and music so you know you start out when people are arriving there's usually music playing Mm -hmm. you know um and then there's the ceremony and then there's cocktail hour and then usually right after that there's dinner and then you know then there's the dance floor opens up so what what do you find that it's typically kind of that formula what what is the formula usually you pretty much just nailed it on the head um i work very closely with my couples to ensure that from the moment the guest arrives the music that they want them to hear is being played and usually the when when they go in for the ceremony it's you know easy going kind of just to vitamin string quartet super light yeah um, it could still be top 40, but more on the non-lyrical, just background music. Elevator music. Yes. Okay. 
Yeah. And then, and then when you move into cocktail hour, what kind of vibe do people usually tend to want to play for cocktail hour? Usually it's, it, I mean, it honestly depends on the couple, but cocktail hour and dinner hour, you start to really get the vibe of the style of music that the couple and what they assume their guests like, mm-hmm. like we'll go into, you know, soft rock. Mm-hmm. or classic country mm-hmm. playlists for the dinner and cocktail hour. And that kind of helps get you into where the rest of the night's going to go. Okay. Obviously, as we get into the dancing portion, the music's going to switch up here and there. But you get a good vibe as a couple and what they like going into cocktail hour because now we're providing music that actually has lyrical content um, songs that people are more familiar with mm-hmm. instead of something that's you know along the the classical side for right. the ceremony. How much does the cocktail hour music versus dinner music is there is there kind of a a, a transition or is it pretty much the same? It's I mean there obviously is a transition um, for me and for other vendors because we're moving into key areas of the venue Uh, we're switching locations um but for the guests it should be pretty seamless the music shouldn't stop um as we transition from one area of the venue to the next there's still music playing um it's my job to help kind of guide those people into those areas and keep things flowing follow Uh, the music Yes, we don't want downtime. We don't want dead air. Uh, people standing around like deer in headlights. Oh, what do we do now? Right. Where do we go, George? Which way do we go? <laughs> and that's, and that's you know. Um, so most couples, and and it's kind of getting. I guess I want to ask your your opinion on the like the speeches and the bouquet tosses and the garter tosses and some of the, you know, some of the more traditional things Mm -hmm. are people starting to kind of pull away from that or are they? Yeah. Yeah. No, quite a bit. You get a lot of people that are definitely pulling away from the, the cliche um, traditional stuff. Yeah. Like the garter. I've been noticing that a lot, the garter removal and garter toss. Uh, Couples don't want to do that. They find it really kind of gross and tacky. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Some go completely away from it. The one thing I've noticed is the only real traditional thing that couples are really sticking to is the first dances, obviously, Uh because that's something that grandpa and grandma need to see, see. So they're willing to do that. Um, but I think if it wasn't for the relatives, I think they the younger couples nowadays, they wouldn't even do it. Anniversary dances? Um, I mean, I still do them. But again, it's it, it really feels like it's not for the couple. It's more for the relatives. Okay, just to, in case anybody doesn't know what an anniversary dance is. Anniversary dance is... Basically, you would have all the couples get on the dance floor, um, and you would have a set number of songs. Usually, it usually takes at least one to two songs 
Um, and you just announce how many years a couple's been together. So if you've been together for three hours or less, get off the dance floor. And usually that's when you kick the bride and groom off the dance floor. <laughs> and then you just work into the years. And always you end up with grandpa and grandma laughing yeah. on the dance floor. And I like to go up to them and kind of give them like a little mock interview. You know, what's the secret to a successful right. relationship? What's your advice for the bride and groom? It's a fun little tradition that it helps break the ice and ease the tensions of oh boy another wedding. What other what other kind of um, things like that are people still doing, or you wish they did more of? A lot of stuff that I'm still seeing is like the shoe game, the new really game. at the wedding. Yep. Wow. Again, yeah. for people who don't know what the shoe game is. It's a game where I get the bride and groom in the center of the dance floor. Everybody kind of surrounds because everybody's already surrounding the dance floor. Um, and they're back to back in chairs. They take off their shoes and swap one. So the bride will be holding her shoe and his shoe, vice versa. And I ask them a series of questions, you know, who made the first move? Who snores the loudest at night? And they raise a shoe, his or hers, depending upon the answer. It's it's fun. It gets everybody laughing. It eases the tension again. Um, it's it's really fun. As long as the bride and groom are okay with being laughed at and laughing with right. in this situation, it's a great it's a great tradition. Dollar dance. Definitely not doing a lot of dollar dances. I feel I, like that's. I feel like the only weddings that I've had that have done dollar dances are from the East Coast. I mean, I've done a few here in Montana. Mm-hmm. So people really feel like it's almost as if I feel like they're asking for spare change out on a street corner. Right, right, right. And you know, and go ahead and explain what the dollar dance is for anybody who is is unsure. So for the dollar dance, the bride and groom do dances with anybody who gives them a dollar, 20, 100, whatever you have in your pocket. Um, it essentially is just a funding dance to help them. Traditionally, it's supposed to help them afford the honeymoon. Right. Because like back, so I know, I mean, I'm from the East Coast, big Italian weddings. And usually there's the, it, the bride used to wear a, a little purse and everybody would slip the envelopes, you know, in, in the purse, which is, and then have a small dance with them, which is basically the same thing. So Okay. That feels kind of like the mob. Okay. I didn't say anything. You know? Just saying. <laughs> Cousin Vinny. Cousin Vinny. You know. Um, so when a couple contacts you, what are some of the first conversations you have with them as far as, you know, do you have something for them to fill out? How do you get their information? Um, so, yeah, on our website, there's definitely a form that they fill out so that way I'm familiar with the services that they're looking for, whether it's ceremony, uh, cocktail hour, dinner hour, reception, if we're doing the whole thing, just a portion of it, um, their venue location so I can get an idea of how far we're traveling, um, their guest count, an estimate that is, because I mean, that's obviously going to change. Um, why is Why is the guest count important for a DJ to know? A guest count for a DJ is it's different in sound ratings. So 
a full concert you've been to most of us have all been to a concert you see the size of the speakers and the amount of speakers that they bring there's a reason for that it's because there's a, such a large amount of people and a large amount of area to cover with the sound um, if you tell me you got 50 people and i bring a certain size sound system and i show up and there's 300 people there the sound system that i brought probably needs to be larger and push more wattage to cover more ground and get to those ears that are in the back of the room. What about um, a indoor wedding versus an outdoor wedding? Is that gonna is that gonna affect anything majorly, or can you switch pretty it, quick? It does. I mean, there's a oh, boy for that one. There's a whole bunch of different variables. But for equipment, yes, it does, because I need my speakers to throw further away because um, not everybody's going to be on a dance floor and there's not walls to reflect the sound. Right. Um, but then you also throw in the lovely thing we call Mother Nature. Right. Right. So you just have to you just have the roll. OK, so what other things do you need to know as a DJ that you ask on your on your sheet? I like to get a rough timeline of how they see their night going. Um, that way I can kind of coordinate with what I'm doing with what's coming up first dances, bouquet tosses. That also pairs with, you know, the photographer, the photographer needs to pull the bride and groom away to get those golden sunset photos that are a must. Um, it's my job to keep that seamless to where your guests don't even notice you left. Right. You ran off, you got those photos, and next thing you know, you're back, and we're doing, you know, the grand introductions or whatever it is. It's just keeping things flowing so there's no breaks and it doesn't feel awkward for the guests, the bride and groom, family members. Um, it helps keep everything in line and keeping the feng shui of the event flow. Yes. What are some techniques that you use to smooth those transitions? Um, a lot of MC work, microphone work, um, making announcements, guiding people along, you know, like we'll have cocktail hour outside on a patio where dinner's inside. If you don't announce that, we're going to be sitting, we're going to be transitioning, we're just going to shut down outside People are going to be standing around with their cocktails outside. Vendors have moved indoors. And it's kind of like, uh, again, which way do we go, George? Where are we going? Right, we right. Going? So a lot of MC work. Um, yeah. So as far as equipment set up, you all show up two, two and a half hours before to get everything set up. What's your what's your kind of process for for setup? Again, it depends on the venue, the location, the amount of people. Um, but generally, I show up about two two and a half hours. I like to have about two and a half hours to set up, just in case I have any technical issues. Um, mm -hmm. But I'll have a sound system at ceremony site. There'll be either another sound system for cocktail hour and dinner hour, or I can move the ceremony over to the cocktail hour but ideally i like to have a setup for ceremony a setup for cocktail slash dinner 
usually dinner transitions into the reception. So my dinner and reception setup is inside. Right. Time to have all those things set up. So I'm not doing that and rushing around the guests with equipment and trying to finesse all that. So what, what I know, like, okay. It's not like you've gone on Amazon or whatever and bought some speakers. No. And, and, you know, I know, like, so describe your setup of kind of what you have for your average hundred person wedding. Um, well, I mean, again, you're, you're hundred percent right. I mean, you, you can't really get quality speakers that are going to take the use and abuse that us <laughs> through. Um, you can imagine doing hundreds of weddings a season. These speakers need to withstand a beating. They need to sound good. They need to look good. Um, so I will have mainly for ceremonies, and I learned this the hard way when I first started for ceremonies. I was carrying and lugging a big old generator, lots of extension cords. I remember you had those great big huge speakers. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it, what do you do? You don't know until you know. Right, right, right. But now you have everything is battery operated. Okay. But like your your um is it a mixing board that you hook yeah. up the computer to? And um, for ceremonies I don't do that anymore. Oh, okay. I try to have the smallest footprint possible and be as efficient as possible because it's not about the DJ right. at the ceremony. Um, I see a lot of DJs bringing out, you know, these big tables and tents and right. big speaker systems. It needs to be super light. You're really there to provide aisle walk songs, get the timing correct, and microphones. Right. I need to be as invisible and take up as little space as possible because the photographer needs to capture those moments and right. not have some big DJ with his ego and his big old speakers out there. Cause it's not a concert. It's supposed right. to be light, airy, vibey, not, not party ish. Right. And you have a nice setup for, um, for indoors too, because you've got that, that shield. So you're not yep. looking like you don't. So um, a lot of DJs, when we set up for them, they've got a table and we put, you know, like a black tablecloth or they have, you know, some kind of thing. But you actually have like this divider thing, yep. skirt that like. Yeah, it's so... called a DJ facade. And I like to use that because it divides. One, it divides the space and it keeps people on one side and I'm on the other. Right. It helps with aesthetics. Okay. There's yeah, yeah, nothing, yeah. And it's nothing worse than having a DJ with his DJ coffin that's all wires going everywhere. <laughs> right. Cords, and it just looks like a big rat's nest in a bowl of spaghetti. And it's horrible looking. Yeah. It's not very, especially with pictures and stuff. I mean, it's like no, you don't want to see that. Time in the venue with flowers and candles and these beads inside of these clear vases and everything's beautiful. And then you look over at the DJ and he's got speaker wires all over the place and random lights doing random things. And it's just the feng shui gets completely tore up. So, you know, obviously when people are on the dance floor, they make requests. 
And a lot of times the couple has a list of do not play at all. Like, <laughs> like don't even. So how, how do you, I guess, manage the, let's say the mother of the bride comes up and says, I want to play, I want you to play this song and it's on the no playlist. Like, how do you navigate that? First and foremost, 100% honesty, it's, I'll show them the do not playlist. Okay. Here is that song. It's definitely on my do not playlist. Um, well, I'm the mother of the bride. Right. So it's okay. Well, mm. I will go run over to the bride and be like, hey, so-and-so said. Mom wants to play the chicken dance. Because there's nothing worse than getting that look from the bride or groom across the dance floor like, dude. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so when anybody, is there a process for when people want to request a song? I mean, do you have like a. Yes. I do two. I do one thing, but for two reasons. One is yes. I have a lot going on. You know, I've got the photographer trying to time things with me and dances. So that way we can get the bride and groom out to do certain things. Um, the sparkler send off, whatever, whatever. And two, that plays into so I can remember I have a list and I like mm -hmm. to have people jot this on a list so one I can keep organized and keep track of people's requests because you'll always encounter someone who gets a little irritated with you because they're sitting there tapping their toe waiting for you to play their special song that they want mm -hmm. and two I can go back at the end of the night when I get back to my office and look and compare notes from the request list from this weekend and yesterday and last weekend and all of a sudden i'm noticing a trend of a certain song that's on my list constantly obviously this is something i need to throw into my rotation let's talk about the role that music plays creating lasting memories for couples and their guests what do you what do you what, what's your what's your what are your thoughts well i mean it's pretty cut and dry um i think it's everything. We all have those memories where a certain song comes on the radio and in the back of your head, a certain someone or a certain situation from way back in the day pops into your head instantaneously. As soon as you hear that song, it's, it's, we like to pair memories to smells and sounds. I hear certain songs and I remember certain concerts that I went to when I heard, first heard that song or um, smells like Thanksgiving at grandpa and grandma's house when I was younger. You smell that now as an, an adult and it still takes you back to that time. Right. I think it's, it's key to have the right music. It helps build memories and it, it fosters an emotional connection to the situation. Um, Go ahead and hire a DJ who doesn't know what he's doing and he plays all the wrong music. I guarantee you, you're going to remember that and you're going to remember the songs that he played and it was just like, ugh, cringy. Well, then you also have to think of that no playlist again. I mean, uh -huh. there's songs on that no playlist that could be very well be a reason from a past relationship, a bad memory, and, you know, 
somebody's BFF comes up and says, I want to play this song. Well, no, we can't because, you know, it's going to trigger that memory, that whatever for the bride or the groom or, you know, whoever, and can potentially ruin their night and ruin yeah. their day. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, there's a reason. Like that, playing Cardi B walk. <laughs> if you don't know what song that is, go ahead and Google it. I won't say it here, but I get that a lot. You know, to play that song. No, I, I, I won't play it. Like, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Unless the bride comes up to me and says, jamming. Okay. You said so, and you're the boss. So working with venues and vendors, what, what specific challenges or what's helpful with the vendors that you work with? Um, one, to get to know the people you're working with. Uh, not be arrogant. Um, understand that they're to do. They're they are there to do a job as well, just like you are. Um, and we need to work together as a team to provide a cohesive experience that is seamless for your clients. Um, and not get egotistical. Well, I'm the DJ, and right now it's dance time. How dare you want to break this up to do a special toast or blah 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 or even dealing with a difficult venue owner mm -hmm. and being put in a less than ideal spot as a DJ, which I deal with a lot. You know, um, as a DJ, I want to be right on the dance floor. How do I read the room and the vibe of when how my music the affecting people when I'm upstairs, tucked away in a corner on the dance floors, three rooms away, and I, it's impossible. Right, right. But you make it happen. You make it work. Um, it's nothing that the bride and groom need to be aware of. You do your job and you do it to the best of your ability. Like a couple that they were insistent on, you know, you being in a certain spot or, you know, because they don't, they don't quite understand. And then afterwards, they're upset because things didn't go the way that they planned because mm. it's difficult you know? to leave the crowd at that point you're you're blind i can't see if people are vibing with the music and sometimes the bride and groom will give you a request list that's just completely off yeah it's great for them but as a dj that's where it's really imperative that i'm set up in a spot or a position to where i can actually read the crowd's reactions to the music and tailor my sets to the guests because ultimately they're the ones who are going to be talking about your wedding. Right. They're the ones who are going to be uh, judging how wonderful or horrible your wedding was. And, you know, there's vendors that affect that. One is a DJ. Was the food good or was it horrible? Was the venue just utterly hot and not cool enough to where we spent all our time outside? There's so many factors in that. But as a DJ, I definitely, I try to express my want and need as a DJ to be closer to the dance floor. But if it's not what it is, then it's not what it is. And we just roll on.
So what is one of the most memorable weddings that you've experienced that just really made you absolutely love what you do? It was definitely one particular wedding. Um, I've had a couple, uh, but it, this was like picture perfect. Nothing could go wrong, even if you tried to jam things up. It was just, it was too good. Um, the lady had, she worked on the set of Friends, the TV show. Um, they came in from out of state. I do believe it was East Coast. I won't mention her name, but they, it was the first time I encountered a big sparkler send-off. And doing the very last dance private kicking everybody Whoa. out of the venue in the bride and groom had their very last dance. I hit play, walked out of the room. Obviously, while they're having their private dance, everybody was setting up the sparkler send-off. Their first dance with moving heads that spotlighted them on the dance floor and followed them around. I mean, it was... When you pick up a wedding magazine, yeah, this was the cover wedding on that magazine. It was just... And I had no idea... But I had a feeling driving up, you know, tonight's going to be a good night. You know, you're yeah. giving yourself a pep talk. And it was just one of the best weddings I've ever had. Wow. That's, that's the bar. That's, that's like really kind of magical and, you know, just wow. So last question for you. What advice do you have for couples in looking for a DJ or music in general? Be careful. <laughs> Uncle Bob comes at a great price, but he comes at a great price. Don't sacrifice and cut corners when it comes to your entertainment. Not saying you need to spend top dollar on your DJ. You know, your DJ should be able to work with you within your budget. But don't underestimate the importance of someone who knows how to use a microphone can keep the flow of the evening rolling, play the correct music at the correct times, be that buffer between bad song choices and the good song choices, um, and actually provide and foster an environment where you almost forget you're at a wedding when the dance party kicks off. You're just, it's, it's fun. <laughs> And before you know it, we got to tear everything down and go home. You're like, no, that's what the experience should bring. It should okay. be something that you talk about for years. You only get one. So just, just, you just reminded me of something we were going to talk about. So the wedding, your contract's until 11 and they want to keep going. Yep. What do you, what are your, what do you, what do you do? What are your things? Yeah, oh boy, that's a good one. So <laughs> normally I charge overtime. Okay. Um, I like to charge overtime. It doesn't necessarily happen, especially if I have a group and it's real vibey and things are popping off and we're having fun. Look, I'm a DJ. I like to do what I do. I like the fact that I can play music and people are dancing to it. It's an adrenaline rush. 
So if people are vibing to the party, we're going to keep going. But sometimes you have venue owners who are, you know, nope, 11.30, that's the cutoff. Right. Done. That's what it is. Um, I don't want to stop the party because I'm a party guy. That's what I'm hired for is to bring the party, bring the fun. Let's make this thing from boring to exciting. So I'm all for it. Let's do it. Let's party. Let's have fun. You, like I said, you get one of these. Let's make it right. And just one little one little thing to remind people is venue restrictions on time and sound ordinances. Because if you don't adhere to those, then people get fined. And we don't want that to happen. Nope. It's when you get a hard cutoff by sound ordinance or venue <laughs> owners, there's no working around that. Um as much as you want to keep going, as much as you want to keep partying, I mean, you're, it's out of your hands by then. It's, I mean, that's the law. So, you know. There's a Bluetooth speaker. Go back to your hotel. Have fun. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, Tyson, thank you so much. Um, is there anything else that you want to add that we didn't talk about that you want to share with people? No. Um, to all the potential bride and grooms that are listening to this, congratulations. Um, definitely take your time, breathe through this process. It can be stressful at times, especially when you're looking at the numbers, but do remember you get one of these, there's no redos, make it fun and enjoyable. Excellent advice. All right. Thank you so much. And thank you all for spending time with us um the last 45 minutes and tyson again it's always a pleasure thank you so much and we'll i guess hear from you you'll hear from us next week thank yeah. you if you have any questions hit us up on montana oh yeah 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 yeah. that's what i forgot how do you get in contact with you Jeez, who's done <laughs> podcast before obviously um, not me you can find my website at Montana Wedding DJs, all one word, dot com. Um, I'm also on Facebook at Montana Wedding DJs. Uh, I do have Instagram and Twitter. Again, same thing, Montana Wedding DJs. Um, and more importantly, we do have a very large Facebook group, uh, Montana Wedding Solutions, where both Erica and myself are. Uh, in the loop quite frequently where they're every day answering questions, um, starting fires and putting them out. So if you have questions, definitely hit us up. All right. Thank you so much. And um, over and out next week. Thanks for joining Montana Wedding Talk today. For more wedding inspiration and resources, visit MontanaWeddingSolutions.com. Connect with our vibrant community on Facebook at Montana Wedding Solutions. Remember to subscribe and catch us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Until next time, happy planning and cheers to your Montana love story.